Yeah, buddy. Rolling like a big shot. Chevy tuned up like a NASCAR pit stop. Fresh paint job. Fresh inside. Is the outside frame in the trunk wide. Are the rims big? Do it right good. Lean back, right hand on the pinewood. Cream on the inside, clean on the outside. Cream on the inside, clean on the outside. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 38 of the NFP podcast presented by 3D Entertainment. The NFP podcast is brought to you by Sneaky Weasel Lager and Hey Also the Nice Tees, the official alcohol sponsor of the show, as well our official clothing sponsor, Wrangler. Long live Cowboys. What's up, everybody? Two weeks, we're back in the game. Got all the boys back together. Scotty Byrne, we'll start with you. It's been a long time. How are you, bud? You're alive. Oh, I'm glad to see your smiling face. Says I know, like I know, we have seen each other, you know, in between. But back on the pod, I was excited today. Like, holy cow, it's just like Christmas morning, hey? <laughs> NFP Christmas morning, yeah. it's great. You, you ditched us last week for Grand Prairie. We were quite disappointed in you. Yeah, sorry guys. I, you know, you're, you're you know, not. Trust me, you're not. Sorry. Well, no, no. Listen, listen, I. You know, you got to make hay when the sun shines, and that's literally what I was doing. But I'm not yeah, going to lie to you. As a matter of fact, so were we. So were we. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I did not miss the 52-hour round-trip drive to Grand Prairie yeah, from no shit. So, yeah, But, yeah, I heard, it was, uh, I heard it was good. And I'll never uh, – I'll try not to ever ditch out on you guys again. I apologize. So of the 20 hours driving, how much, how much of it do you think a burn did? I'm going to say about three max. I think, I think Randy boy got three and a half. It is. Oh, oh, what about Tanner? Really? Tanner rolled out, actually moved from one side to the other when we got back to Saskatoon. Yeah. I woke up one enough to see that moose moose dead on the road. I seen that. Pop my eyes open enough to see the fucking yeah on the ground, but that's all I see. And and, and the Ken, and the Kenworth parked on the side of the road with <laughs> steam running up to Rad and whatever else. A friend, like like Tanner, I just I want to know like all the years you've been rodeoing and and going to bull ridings and how the fuck did you get there? Because you don't drive. Well, I can road however when I need to. You guys, I think you guys all know that. Oh. When, when there's when there's somebody oh, no, else that's gonna do we that. Don't know that. <laughs> we don't. We don't. Here's we my don't, trick: when you're with when that. you're with other people, you just get as shit faced as possible, and then they don't. They, you can't drive. So that's kind of that's kind of my go to a lot of times. <laughs> we we get we get five miles east of Grand Prairie. It's one fifteen in the morning. That's when we pulled out. Actually, I made record time. <laughs> Left at one fifteen, pulled into Thoad Avenue at no nine forty five. Yeah, not, not bad, bad time. But not we're bad. we're we're five miles, we're five miles east, and he's pounding on the back of my seat. Pull over! I need a piss and a smoke. Yeah, and I'm like, a what? <laughs> it's my bedtime piss snack. Smoke. I needed a bedtime yeah, snack. <laughs> oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I've been I've been around to witness that Tanner's trick is as soon as that last bull's bucked, everybody's safe to the dressing room, get undressed, swizzle a, you know, maybe a heavy vodka or two, and then say, "Sorry, can't drive." Fuck. Impaired. <laughs> Impaired. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I know. I apologize. Appreciate you, Jason. Thanks for uh, thanks for man on the wheel getting us back. I did wake <laughs> up a few times to some fucking uh, Motley Crue and uh, some good good old fashioned mid eighties fucking hardcore rock and roll. So that was oh that was yeah, good. kept you up. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. You know, you know what? I I like to I like to go with the '80s ballads from that two thirty to four in the morning. It's kind of it's what I need to get over that hump for whatever reason. I don't know. A little bit of chill, a little bit of chill action. <laughs> no, so, Jason, back again. Obviously, we jumped the gun there. But Jason, how you doing, buddy? Other than that. <laughs> Oh, I'm good, LT. Yeah, I sure. I, I had a weekend off. I missed you guys. Ate some turkey and some ham. Had a really good uh, Thanksgiving up at the cabin. Uh, actually, it was unbelievable. Ate way too much, like we always do on that uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, usually. But it was good. Great weather. Uh, shot some guns. Did a little target practice up there. Well, I would fucking I hope you shot some guns for fuck's sake. Tell the people what you did. <laughs> Tell the people what you did. Oh, my God. Well, first of all, uh, hats off to the Crooked Creek General Store and their donuts. Man, yep. that's the best part of going to Grand Prairie right there. Any of our listeners, uh, money back guarantee right now. I'll pay for your dozen donuts, but you're going to have to ship them to me overnight. And uh, it'll be the best donut you've ever ate in your life, for sure. I concur. Anyway, after I crushed three of those before we got up the road 10 miles, I wasn't feeling that good. And we went by Trapper Dave's uh, outdoor store. Have you ever noticed that on the way to Grand Prairie? Big, big outdoor um, store. I don't know how many square feet there, Tanner. It's huge. It's like a Bass Pro or like a Cabela's, but like family owned and been there forever and yeah, 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 big, big steel building, like just a Huge. oversized Quonset. Like, mm. so we, Jackson, you know, my oldest son, he loves guns and stuff. Oh, Randy boy, he's right up on his guns too. So, him and Jackson have been talking about guns on the ride up. So, I thought, oh, what the hell? We're in no rush. Let's pull in. Well, $4,000 later, I pull out with. <laughs> I'm ready anyway. Let's put it that way. He's fucking Holy loaded for shit. bear. Yeah. With the air quotes. Uh, I am ready. Predator, predator guns is what we have to call them in Canada now. Because you can't call them assault rifles, I guess, anymore. But Jason's ready for. Uh, I'll for tell air. you what. You know what they didn't sell me was some ear plugs or earmuffs. Yeah. It's no joke. Man, oh, man. <laughs> so, so what did you buy? Like, like. Can you say or not? Yeah, it's a, it's a oh, 223. Yeah, sure, yeah. No, it's all yeah. legal. Yeah. yeah, 223, uh, um, Kodiak 223. And I put a, I scoped it out and bought some extra clips. And then the ammo, I didn't realize how expensive ammunition is. Mm-hmm. So target practice is not cheap. Let's put it that way. Anyway, I, he talked me into the thousand shells for 880 bucks. So that was, that was my <laughs> last purchase. It was intense. Jackson sitting there at the sitting there at the fucking table, and and Jason's like, "All right, yep, I'll buy it." Jackson just fuck, let's go, let's go, baby. <laughs> Firing them all, all cylinders. I was taking pictures with him. Yeah, he was more excited than anybody. So that was pretty good. That's good. Oh my god, he never he. We, we get out and we're driving to Grand Prairie and I'm like, Jackson, you got to be quiet. Like, you got to just quit talking. 
He was so amped up. <laughs> he was. That was oh, good. Well, that's yeah. good. Yep. That's good. So we made it through there. We kept trucking, had us a nice uh, meal, got kicked out of one restaurant for Jason not being vaxxed. So <laughs> I had to sneak to another restaurant after that and had us a nice prime rib. So it, was a, it turned out to be a good night, a good, good day and a good night. I guess. Never drove a lick and I bought you prime rib. <laughs> what a day. What a fucking day. What a day. Oh, what yeah. A day. You then, just make sure you bring that fuel card this weekend. You bring your fuel card this weekend. Yeah, I'm sure you're hurting, eh? You're making the least amount of money out of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> I can honestly say you did. I can honestly say you did better than me and Grand Prairie. So oh, that's, that's not times good. are getting tough. That's fucking not good. Yeah. I know. I, <laughs> no. I don't think this conversation is going to go anywhere good. So let's move (laughs) it on. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Let's talk about the bull riding in Grand Prairie. Yeah. Well, first let's start with um, Scott um, almost being responsible for not coming. Well, that too, but then by not coming almost fucking ended Dave Polson's fucking life. Jesus Christ on a cracker. Dave got the bad rock up there. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. Poor Dave. That was sad. He was, he's good. That. He was joking well, I, after, but. Well, if anybody doesn't think bull riding isn't dangerous, come stand on the back of the chutes. You'll find out. Yeah. Yes, sir. You will. Bull jumped up. Uh, we're in Scott's normal TSN position there, right? Kind of by the head where the camera guy is and, and uh, hits, a, hits another person who then tumbles into another person and then tumbles into another person. Smashes Dave off the back right into the scaffolding and scaffolding scaffolding uh, might Jesus. have been a fucking fuck up the words but man down to platform oh yeah yep. man a- down to yeah oh. actually i i was headed back i thought i had to go finish off the perth Fuck, yeah. but uh he talked yeah, her out he, he fucking nailed her he did her uh but on top of that too yeah, yeah the bull riding was uh another another great event um boys rode good bulls were good i thought all around jason what'd you think yeah yeah i did too um Good to see Jordan Hansen and Jacob Gardner back. Uh, unfortunately, both those boys were back because they uh, the PRCA season was down down in the U.S. and they came up short qualifying for the National Funds Rodeo. But it was good to have them back. I think what were they first and third? Jacob wins it. Yeah. Jordan Jordan might have been third. Yeah, made a good so, ride in the show. Yeah, there's the way that Jake. Oh yeah, what Jake ride? Uh, what did little he hooch, little hooch in the short round. Oh, that little hooch. Yep. Yeah. 89 points. Jordan Hansen was uh, 88 on Al Capone of the Hogs. We had an 86. Spooky Lukey. Logan Beaver. Yeah. Back in on time. Mm-hmm. Has to take the last bull. Mm-hmm. Spooky Lukey and sticks it on him. Made a good ride. That bull kind of got lost out there a little bit. He just wasn't himself. Too bad because Logan was tapped. Logan, oh, yeah. Logan would have been, uh, it wouldn't matter with that bull. I think Logan was ready. He had something to prove. He wasn't too happy with his first two performances. I don't think. Hashtag fucking NFP. Right top bull. All day. Yes. Was top bull? What was it? The number one bull. Muzzle blast. 703 muzzle blast of uh, Lindsay Colliers. Yeah, that's Wins a the bull up there. That's a good fucker. Digs yeah. it around the left every time. You know what he's going to do, but. Fucking brings it, bucks. Good bull there from X Six Ranch. Oh. <laughs> Real good one. Bucked off the champion of Canada, Cody Kovacek. Yep, 
Yeah, good to see, man. And it, it just kind of goes to show the confidence that you get, I think, when you go down to the the U.S. and then come back up into Canada. It's no difference in, in bull power in the sense, but I think you just you just have more confidence feeling like you can come and win on anything that you get on. And I think you've seen that with, with Jake. Like, there was nothing there. The last two weekends, fucking PA, yeah. Grand Prairie, not a damn bull that can, mm. that can throw him off, right? And he's just riding everything they run under. Yeah. Jordy, Good point. Thing, you know? It's just the mind. It's right between your five years, you know? Yeah, I had a pretty good chat with Jake at your place there, Tanner, and he just – he said that very thing. He said, I learned a lot down there, you know, not only the bull riding end, but just traveling. And, you know, lots of times he said he was just kind of traveling by himself and sometimes he'd join up with the guys, but he said just uh, just living life and learning something new and seeing something new. He said it was it was great all around for his whole career. You know what I mean? So yep. it was a uh, pretty, pretty, pretty interesting to chat with him about that. Well, he's, he can't wait for next season. He wants to get right back down there. So I hope I have something to, something to say on that. I'd rather him stay up here, but we'll see. I can't keep him from, you know, chasing his dreams and wanting to ride at those yellow shoots, but we can put a hundred plus thousand in his pocket here in the next six weeks. Maybe he'll have a different attitude. Yep. He's eight for eight. He's riding a hundred percent of his bulls that those two, your event and Grand Prairie moved him into ninth. Yep. Not bad. He's 109 points. He's got plenty of time because he didn't qualify for the CFR. Mm-hmm. He'll take advantage of uh, that last event in Yorkton, which yep. is going to be four head two, yep. d- two days, a double header. They're just going to, that's just going to be a slot machine for points for those guys that aren't going to the CFR that need to make up some ground. Yeah, be good to see. yeah, those four guys we've just been talking about, you know, phenomenal riders. I I just like Jake when he rides, you can pretty much guarantee he's going to pull a foot on whatever he's on. Oh, yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if it's the last rank or just mediocre. And um, man, he styles them up. He makes those judges, uh, you know, give those points out. So yeah, you're right, Jason. He's he can make up a lot of ground and a lot of money here in the next uh, month and a half. Well, it's tight. Um, there's only, what is there? There's only a hundred points. Well, let's go right to, to 10, 111 points separating first from 10th and still lots of points available. It'll be, uh, you know what, this weekend in medicine hat will be, uh, well, there's a lot of money on the line, boys. Every boat counts now. There's going to be lots. Yeah. Fucking storyline. There's going to be a good storyline there, boys. Holy cow. Did you see the list yet? Did you see the draw for Medicine Hat, Tanner? No. What do we got? Got some good, good matchups. This will come out. What are we on right now? We're Tuesday right now. This will come out Thursday. So we'll be getting ready to head to the house when this comes out. Lonnie's got Gandhi. Um, That's that bull. Zane won the long round on in uh, Lethbridge, right? Out the right. Yep. He's yeah, they hit themselves. Yeah, yes. okay. Bucked off uh, Jared yeah. in everyone five in uh, Grand Prix. Speaking of Jared, he's got what he – well, this might be too easy for him. He's got that Oldsmobile of Lindsay Colliers. He might I, – I think Jared needs ranker bowls to stay on. I really do. Uh, he's kind of – I haven't was, seen Jared. Jared I, haven't seen, pretty easy, but... I haven't seen him follow – yeah. I haven't seen Jared – off this many bulls in three years. Hey, yeah. the part about fucking getting thrown off is you're due for a fucking hot streak, baby. That's what I always said. Never can get too mad at fucking 
getting yeah. dusted in the dirt because you just know it's about to fucking turn. You're, you're due. You're due for a heater. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. So uh, we got some new bulls coming. Madison Hat, the Stevens Bros, bringing some bulls. Darren Eno's bulls will be the first time we've seen them at a Cup Series event. Uh, Aaron's got that Pedro. Will that fit him? Oh, yeah, Aaron Roy, three-time million-dollar oh. man. That bull came from Dakota Butter, raised that bull. He'll go either way and be good. Yep. I've seen Butters ride him in coronation. Um, and then he's yeah. out a few Out of left hand delivery? Out of right. Out the right. Was he out of left in, in coronation? No, he's out the rights and kind of kicked the through rights. the back and almost fell down and didn't have his uh, best trip that he's always that he's had that I've seen him after that. I've seen him at the round or the uh uh, Cody's bull riding there in Calgary uh, at the Gray Eagle, and he was really good there. Bucked somebody off pretty handily. Nick Clink. I yes, I, saw, I was there yep. that night. Yep. Yeah. So, I was yeah, there that'll be good. Too, that'd yeah. be a good matchup for Aaron. I like that bull. Here's the draw. Callum Miller on the Langham kid of the two-bit nation. Yep. Yeah. That one should. They don't ride him all like that much, that. but they should ride that bull, yep. I think. Yep. The, his style is you should ride that thing. And I think Callum. Callum's fucking riding good right now, too. Well, you know, yeah, you got Callum, Callum Griffin and Dakota all drew into the two-bit pen. Griffin's got that blue north, and Dakota's got Devil's Boy. Oh, shit, What's yeah. Red Pearl of Nansen's? A uh, little Red Bull. Uh, just a good one, I think. I think. Or that might be Red Jam. I'm not sure. That's what, yeah, I don't know if I've seen Red Pearl before. Stevens brothers, as in anyway, Bobby Stevens. Yep, yep, that's exactly it. Nice. A lot of the Tom Cutterwitz is during a bull. Chairman Frank, Crossfire's Blackjack is Logan Beaver, Mowgli, Chad Hartman. Yeah, and then we'll see some Strangquist. We got three of his bulls. Is it that Western? What was the bull that uh, lost? Yeah, Western Way. I think was was that bull's name of Strangquist's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. That's the bull that Lonnie was 88 on in the long round, first day in PA. Uh, a lot of those Stevens bulls you're going to see, that'll be cool to see them because a lot of the, the good ones that they've had, they've sent to, to Lindsey Collier. So lots of those ones from X6 and a few of the different guys are packing. Those come from uh, Bobby Stevens and some of the Chris Johnson, some of the Saskatchewan guys are sending lots of bulls out there right now. So it's good to see those guys, their programs up and up and riding at the highest level. And bulls have been fucking awesome, the ones I've seen. So hats off to those guys congrats you know what i did with those guys quite often back in the day we drank a lot of sneaky weasel lager (laughs) (laughs) if you're looking for a smooth refreshing beer this weekend grab yourself a sneaky weasel craft lager this mildly hopped craft lager delivers a bold 5.6 abv but goes down crisp and clean this beer pairs well with any bull riding celebration fun in the sun and good times with friends this beer is available across all of Western Canada. Sneaky Weasel Lager, the official beer sponsor of the NFP podcast. Jason, did you just take that ad read to do all the work that you could do on your desk and ruffle as many papers and let your phone ring while I Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. 100%. Uh, honestly, do you think I knew when it was going to ring? Uh, in other PBR news, uh, south of the border, Dalton Castle steps up to the plate while we were away. And knocks one out of the park with the second highest marked ride in PBR history, 96 and three quarters. What was that bull name again? <laughs> I knew this was coming. It was it was X99, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Scott even does Scott even have a sniff of winning no, any of those predictions? Absolutely not. You not know what, Scott? On the bright side, Dalen has an invitation to Rogers Place in Edmonton. So Yeah, you could perfect. get a win with that. Could get a win with that. We'll see. Yeah, he might be able to win something there, which might we'll just give you a pat on the back after that's <laughs> it. That's the best you're gonna get. Okay, yeah. here's here's my question going back to Whoopa and the two rides with Jose and um, Dalton. Do you think um, – okay, to, so take those two scores. Do you think they should be reversed? Do you think they are perfect where they're at? Do you think Dalton should have been more than – yeah. You know I've watched, here's the I've, easy answer. They both should have won and they did. Oh, that's a fucking cop-out. Well, thanks for dissecting the fuck out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, okay, okay, Tanner. Your dad's the judging director. You go ahead. Well, in my professional opinion, no, from a bull riding standpoint, uh, <laughs> there has not been a score over 96 and a half since, uh, I don't know who's the last one to do it, Michael Gaffney probably in 2003 or four. Bubba Dunn. I uh, know, but I think Gaffney was after that. No, I think I think Gaffney was, was Bubba Dunn. Bubba was after Gaffney's ride? I think Bubba on Promise Line was earlier than Gaffney on Little Yellow Jacket. Before, you're right, yeah. Yeah, I think Bubba Dunn was 90s. Yeah, right. I think Gaffney on Little Yellow Jacket was early 2000s. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So we've seen this crazy record-setting scores, uh, and I don't know if that's a change in the the systems of how they're marking the Bulls and they're trying to get higher scores or if it's a, uh, a show towards the bull power and how much how great the fucking bull power is because there was lots of rides over the years that we all seen that in my opinion, as a bull rider, were better than some of those rides that were back in the day that you were the 96 on. So I think they may have just figured out that, hey, we got to fucking mark these, not be afraid to give out the points and mark them exactly how you see them. So uh, I think that Jose and both Dalton's style, you get every single point out of that bull. Um, and that's exactly what they did. Both reared back, kicked loose at the end, went to riding. Dalton fucking, you know, at the end got half turned around and flipped around and everything was looked fucking awesome. And I think if Dalton makes that ride uh, earlier in the year or before Jose rides that bull, um, you know, and like that might've been the first time that bull got rode, so to speak, if that was what like the ride that Dalton did, then that would have been your new record in the PBR. Right. I think that they've just been smashing these huge scores on this bull. And now it's, it's at the point where, yeah, give and take a couple quarter. Points. Well, you'll tell them, can't, you can't mark them over this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but awesome, man. And, and honestly, couldn't happen to a better guy, Dalton, former guest on this show. I really got to, you know, we really got to know each other more after coming on this show and really hear his story. So uh, everybody go check out that podcast with him. Bad motherfucker that, that does things the right way and uh, doesn't take shit from anybody. So. Good for him. Huge scores. And I think that's just a tip of the iceberg of what you're going to see from him. If he can stay healthy and uh, take a shot at that world title next year, for sure. Scott, what did you think? Hey, Hey, well, I, I was just thinking about your, your, um, your ad read there. Yes, sir. Sneaky weasels. Yeah. Do you think you might bring one along for the <laughs> drive this weekend? <laughs> I thought you were sober October. I thought you were fucking. I am, but I I, I just want to make sure it's real that we get something. You're just gonna smell it. <laughs> I just I just I need think, proof. I think you have eighty 
because we weren't even fucking talking about sneaky weasels. <laughs> we were trying to figure out if Whoopa's ride was better than, and now we're drinking sneaky well, weasels just, again. What are we drunk? So, I want you guys to talk yourselves out of uh, making sure that bull's the number one in the world. Oh, right. I said that at the start of this podcast. I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that yeah, that bull deserves to be where he's at. Hands down. I'm just saying if those two rides were one after another, Edible riding, were they marked for second? That's all. I'm just just an opinion. I mean, it's it's like an asshole. Everybody's got one. I just I've watched them both, and I'm like, Jesus, stuff. Half and ninety five, ninety six and a half, and then uh, ninety seven. No, ninety six and three quarter, wasn't it? Dan? No, no. Jose was like ninety seven and a quarter, ninety seven something, and Dalton okay. was ninety six and three quarters. And the previous oh, okay. that held the record right, yeah. for all those years was 96 and a half for Gaffney, Shivers, and uh, Bubba Dunn. Okay. 96 and a half. So, yeah, like if, if that ride wouldn't happen to Jose, that ride that it, Dalton it, made would have been the highest scored ride ever in history. Second highest scored ride in history. Is yeah. One, those two right it, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, that happened to me a lot back when I rode Bulls at 96 point rides. But Yeah, yeah it happens um, every day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just, <laughs> no, phenomenal rides. We'll just leave it at that. How do you judge them? Fuck, they're awesome. So, Yeah, history-making bull rides. Good for Dalton. Good for Jose. Fucking Jose's got to get his shit figured out, though. Good thing he's got a big lead because he's out with a, uh, they said at the start was a groin injury. Now it's they've kind of made it into an abdominal injury more. So that might mean that it's higher up. Uh, in his gut instead of maybe down in his in his groin. So uh, I know he's going to see some specialists to get that figured out, but I think he's got such a lead and he's so tough. He says he'll be back for the world finals, so hopefully he can get that that lined out and, and come back strong with those fucking groin injuries. I said that, well, just like anything in this sport, uh, injuries seem to really put a hindrance. The only thing that can stop a lot of guys when, they, when they're rolling that good, right? Silvano Alves, you've seen him, couldn't be stopped, messes up his hip and kind of changed the trajectory of his path after that right so the, there's one thing to be really good in the sport and there's another thing to be lucky as our guest sean william talks about how he went for 10 years without having a serious injury which didn't even think about but how crazy that is to think about and that's pretty um, amazing yeah pretty fucking amazing so how many finals has he got 12, 12 if you would have been in the 13, fucking 12, interview 12 <laughs> 12 yeah. story fellas <laughs> i know wait don't say it don't say it don't say it you're making us money. I know. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Scott. No problem. I got your back. I told you that yeah. at the start of this. Jeez. I got your back. You guys want to, if you guys want to come follow me around for a day. <laughs> oh, you fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what's so amusing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, Greensboro. PBR unleashed the beast as well since we've been gone. Just wrapped up. Uh, Claudio Montagna Jr. <laughs> takes the title, and uh, great for him. It's been a couple of years since he's been in the winner's circle, so uh, another Brazilian sensation stepping out. Rides uh, former Canadian Bill Swagger in the short round, coming from Nansen Vold originally. Jada oh, yeah, smashes out a good. Are old we retiring an old Canadian Bull here? Uh, I yes. thought I heard Casey tell me something. Yes, I seen according uh, to Instagram yeah. 
J.W. Hart. When Hart was, cattle. Yeah, when J.W. was chasing in Canadian Mist to put him on the trailer to go last That's weekend. It. That it was his last trip, last time to get on the truck. So I don't know. Maybe they're not. If he's not going to the right. World Finals, or I don't know how that all played out. I haven't really watched that bull a bunch this year, but uh, yeah, I guess he's going to be retired. So hats off to him. Great career. Was top four, I think, at one point. Uh, ended up in the top, definitely top five of the of the world one year for the world standings for Bull of the Year. So, Bull born and raised right there outside of Pinocchio, Alberta. Went on to be one of the best uh, that we've seen in the world. So, congrats to the Vold family on raising him and J.W. Hart for packing him down the road. It's a, it's a good one that will go down in history. He's one of the greats. Yeah. Um, what else do we got? Midnight Rock of Cord McCoy's was the Bull of the Event in Greensboro. Seen that bull in Big Sky earlier this year, and he's coming on pretty fucking strong too. A little black bull right in the door of the right, blowing in the air, and one that uh, will be in the race for that rookie or uh, bull of the year. He's a little smaller though, so he might not have, um, might not have that other aspect of him, that bigger size. I guess Whoopa. I've never seen him in in real life, but they said he's pretty big. Say so he's a good sized bull. Yeah. Why well, you think he looks small when you see him on? I don't know. I never really thought about this it. This guy's he bucks like he's small. Yeah, like he's got. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jason. He's athletic, yeah. like he's small and just you know. So I think he portrays that he's or he looks that he like he's smaller. Does what a small bill well, but yeah, fuck it. If he's goddamn, I if he's very big, I definitely would want to put my hand on his fucking back. That's for sure. God, no, I don't want you to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Okay, a couple of uh, housekeeping items before we send it off to our interview with. Sean Willingham, I guess uh, hey. should have said that earlier, but we got Sean Willingham on the pod today. Great fucking guy. Yeah, and you know uh, what? I I was disappointed I had to miss that. Uh, Sean was he is one of the good guys. Yeah, yep. been around a long shit in time, man. Mm-hmm. He is. We had a lot of fun in the old days. Good What's time. he doing now? Or am I gonna have to listen to the pod? You have to listen to the pod, there, bud. <laughs> We'll get into that. We'll get into that in the podcast. (laughs) Yes, Jason was too busy today to to join in on the pod with Willingham, but me and Scott handled it. Really good interview. You guys are, I think everybody's going to really enjoy it. Goes in depth into his career and what he's doing now and his mindset to to go to the world finals 12 times and all the generations of bull riders that he went through and stories from that time, all those different times. So, yeah, it was super interesting. Super good guy. What did he say? 20 some years he. Road Bulls, 23, 24. I can't remember exact number, but a long time. Yeah. I got on tour right Yeah. And he did he re- and did he retire and come back? He retired kind of for a bit and then came back and made the world finals last year, did he not? Yeah, if you listen to the podcast. What are you looking at me like that for? <laughs> if you listen to the podcast, are you guys gonna, about that. Are you guys gonna give me a are you gonna give me a timeout because I wasn't <laughs> on there today because I was making you two well you gotta stop asking you fucking questions. Down. You gotta stop asking questions about the podcast that we can't talk about before the yeah, podcast. Yeah, you get a you get a okay, timeout. Let's, let's hear the next yeah. let's hear the next rad ad read. <laughs> well, this, I got I, I got to listen to a pod and it's opening night for the National Hockey League. Okay, uh, just one more thing before we forget about it as well. Nansen Vold, great PBR contractor, also uh, a bull of his was uh, bull of the year in the Canadian Professional Rodeo Association Timber Jam. I'm happy camper, catch my drift, gifted, now known as Uncle Cranky, making the world finals trip representing canada that's pretty cool congrats to those guys on getting those bulls down there uh a couple shout outs western sports foundation when this comes out they came out with the fundraising concert featuring ryan bingham aaron watson 
Corblund. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah. Everybody go check that shit out. That'll be really cool. And, uh, Where are they doing that, Tanner? It's all pre-recorded. Everything's pre-recorded. Oh, so okay. those guys would, would send in their songs and uh, their performances, whether they be five, ten minutes long. And then uh, they've just put it all into kind of like one movie, like one virtual event, and then it all goes out there. And I think you'll still be able to watch it afterwards and stuff like that. Oh, cool. After yeah. it's out. So, and then they're, you know, nice. getting people to hopefully, um, if you tune in, give a little bit of dough, throw a little donation towards that Western Sports Foundation so they can keep raising money for Western Lifestyle Athletes as well. On that note, uh, Ty Pazbaum Foundation, we've come out with the banquet, Sportsman's Banquet. We did it uh, first in 2019 in Saskatoon. went really well. Planning uh, another one for kickoff of the PBR Canada Finals in uh, Edmonton. River Cree, we got uh, Steak Supper, you know, by a table. Kelly Taylor, comedian gonna come in to sell the show the guys fucking as funny as you get we have a podcast with him everybody can go listen to <laughs> guys pure gold pure gold uh scott Byrne gonna do some MCing for us there and brett gardner so yeah it's gonna be a great night kick off the fucking canada finals the right way give the boys a good send into the finals and uh, get things off on the right foot raise some money for the type osborne foundation which is very well needed in these times when it's been not very uh oh, not gosh. very lucrative when it comes to fundraising initiatives. So this is well needed. Sorry for anybody out there. Um when we had the, when you had the one in Saskatoon there, it's just a great way to kick off a, a great weekend. Everybody, you know, it's just you mingle around, you laugh a lot, and you you have some bevies or whatever you want to do. But uh anybody that wants to buy a table, they will not be disappointed. It's it is a super fun evening, that's for sure. Yep. Definitely looking forward to it. And uh, we're going to kind of do it more like, yeah, the kickoff to the finals where we'll introduce the riders and, and uh, do some presentations throughout the year for, for PBR Canada and then uh, have some silent auction items and live auction items. And yeah, just have kind of a let everybody know where, where things are at within the foundation, what the goals are coming, moving forward and what we've been able to do with, with the, the donations that have come in already. So a uh, great night, like you say, Scott, a lot of fun and, uh, Get some of them tables sold, and we'll do it upright. Last time, ended up buying three things that I didn't even know I bought till it was all done. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think I just I might have had something to do with that. <laughs> okay, one more ad read here before we send it to our interview with sean willingham attention gamblers of all shapes and sizes our friends at manscape have a can't miss bet for you today the leaders in male grooming just launched their fourth generation performance package the betting odds are in your favor when you use the lawnmower 4.0 on your balls across the board this is the package to get you in the mood for whatever your gambling heart desires Ready to take the leap to male grooming royalty? Two million men already have. Join the Manscaped movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code NFP20. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped is the ultimate parlay to take your grooming game to the next level. Hitting a favorite is fun, but shaving my balls with confidence. That folks at Manscaped have given me just that and have my trust when trimming my boys. The recently released Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is a favorite of mine. The fourth generation trimming features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Plus, it's waterproof. 
Scott, you good? <laughs> You'll be sweating and feeling the heat after a big bet. Fix that sweat and stink. Yeah, what do you <laughs> with Manscaped's liquid formulations. Their Crop Preserver Ball deodorant for before you send it and Crop Reviver Ball Toner for when you need a boost mid-bet. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code NFP20 at manscaped.com. Fellas, don't gamble on shaving your balls with the wrong tools. Choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Boom. Who's uh who's the author of those? Does it does it give a name? I don't no know. names. I think they got some writers in there that do a great job. No shit, they do. Yes, sirree. Okay, other than that, guys, I think we're good. Uh shout out to former guest Josh Manson. Turned 30 the other day. So congrats to him making it to the big 30. Yep. 3-0, man. Wow. Other than that, we'll be going to Medicine Hat and then Calgary. Followed that by Saskatoon into Yorkton and then into the PBR Canada final. So big push here for PBR Canada, big push uh, for the PBR world as well, going into the, the world finals, velocity finals. So a lot of shit's about to get stirred up and we're going to crown some champions here in the next little while. So the race is on now. We'll be back in uh, two weeks from now to keep everybody informed on how things went in both medicine hat and Calgary, as well as what's going on down South with the BFTs and, Maybe we'll do a little uh, CFR fucking uh, recap as well whenever whenever that goes on. So congrats to everybody uh, that's making all the finals and doing well. Guys, what do you think? Let's send it. All right, everybody. Here is our interview with Sean. Sean. Here's your man, Jerome, Sean Willingham, at only his second ever Bill Ford Tough Series event. And he's in the championship round with that 89 from last night. But what about the big, blonde, bucker, Clayton's pet? Boy, I'll tell you, you know, Clayton, Clayton's pet, he's, he's probably the most out of line, hard to ride. He's going to get up in the air and drop out of there. Shelton's really got to stay over the front end and, and keep, keep matching moves every jump. He's going to quit. Get, get back over him. Hey, we might get we might get on Clayton's pet road. Trent. Oh, it yeah. Trent, hey, he's done it. And Chris Shivers wrote this bull this season for the highest score of the year, 95 points. It's stop number one at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. And young Sean Willingham, what is 22 years old? Young kid. Just sticks it on one of the biggest, toughest bulls in the world. Made a nice ride on him. And, you know, Chris was 95 on him. I don't think he's going to be 95. But, you know, he just sits up right in the middle and makes a good, good bull ride. And, Bull tries him right here to the left, tries to pull him down. He just sits right up in the middle, just lets him pull him right down to the front, right in the position, keeps his feet down, moves good, and he's going to take the lead. Man, good to see it. How about the Georgia Pink shot of the day? Oh, he does. He does indeed. 91.5. It's a dream come true, a night that he will remember forever. Joining the show today is a 12-time PBR World Finals qualifier who competed at 346 Premier Series events, tallying 14 90-point rides and eight event wins on that Premier Tour. The man from Somerville, Georgia, Mr. Sean Willingham. Willie, how are we doing today? Good. To, how are you? Good, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's good to be on here and good to see old friends. You know, we ain't seen each other in forever, so good to catch up. Yeah, that's been about the best thing about this podcast is 
right. catching up, bullshit, and telling old stories with the boys that you <laughs> haven't seen in a long time. So what uh, what's been uh, what's been going on in, in your life since retirement? Where are you at right now? Where do we catch you? Uh, well, I'm I'm at home still. You know, it, during the week I mostly just stay at home, Dad. I cook and clean and take care of the kids and take them to do their soccer and cheerleading and all this other stuff. But on the other side of things, before I retired, I started a, a, a come apart a CBD company. Uh, so I've just been on the road, you know, educating people about my product and the benefits they see with it, you know, mainly in the equine industry. Uh, you know, they healed my leg from a second leg surgery back when I broke it real bad. And, and that's what got me interested in it. And, you know, one thing led to the next that helped me out. And then, heck, we come out with a buck and bull formula, try to fix them bulls in the buck and shoot from being all crazy and, and giving us a fair chance. And, you know, everything's kind of just led to one thing after another. And, you know, my main deal now is just is mainly equine. I mean, that's been the biggest, biggest hit for me so far in the product. So uh, I, I retired bull riding and uh, now I'm going to barrel races. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Is your wife barrel race? I can, I can pretty much. Like, <laughs> so uh, the <laughs> barrel racing world is a different. You poor uh, bastard. You poor <laughs> bastard. <laughs> I'll, I will have to say their, their shows are not as uh, entertaining as what I mean. Does your wife but, barrel race or is it all just you're doing that all with uh, just selling the, the CBD product? And what's it called so people can check it out? Uh, it's called driven PCR, you know, uh, the driven, you know, is a good name to keep you, you know, driven to success. And then, uh, the PCRs for performance conditioning and recovery. So on the other hand, you know, you're getting the benefits with the fast recovery and, and all that benefits will go with it. So, yeah, I do a lot of that. You know, I'm, I took over the marketing of it. Uh, I joined up as a partner It's me and two other guys. We run the whole business and, you know, we mix it you know, each bottle. So we know exactly what's in our product. We're not mass producing it. And we kind of do it like a single barrel whiskey. You know, we, we mix it up, let it age, do its thing. And then we bottle it up. So I know exactly what's in each bottle. And, and that's where we keep getting all these testimonies because I'll, you know, the purity and, and how we make it is a big ticket, I believe. Cause everybody knows me. I'm not a mad scientist. I'm just overtired Bora. <laughs> i feel like there's some old retired bull riders mixing up drugs but it's not the same as what you're talking about right now <laughs> hey whatever works at the time don't matter quick fix is what we're all about you know as well as anybody you know riding bulls uh you know the injuries they, they're there and you know sometimes there was there was very minor but man they hurt like hell and you didn't really want to turn around and do it again so kind of a mixture of both we got a quick fix you know the to get you back to competition pretty quick and and be able to roll badass well fuck that was a good uh a good bump for the company there we go got that out of the way <laughs> yeah uh, yeah all right you know definitely I, I missed the hell out of brian bulls and, and the entertainment part of it and you know the main main thing i miss mostly is getting to hang out with all your friends that you're you've grown accustomed to seeing you know you pretty much see each other every week for the last 20 years of my life you know and then once you're done you're hey yeah you know you're pretty much you're done like you don't really you're not in that scene as much i mean obviously you still got stuff we can go do and and see each other but it's not that week to week basis and that's the main thing i think that's what i miss about it the most the friendships and seeing everybody every weekend definitely was it tough for you when when you um 
when you did hang it up as a guy that did it for longer than most anybody had one of the highest uh, consecutive streaks for a long time as well. But uh, we talk about this lots on the pod as well, but guys having a lot of trouble once they do hang up that rope for good and, and are back home. Was it hard or was it better for you when you, when you transition into this other company or, or how, how is things kind of with that transition for you? Well, I, um, it was pretty easy because the main, the, I don't know. I think the one of the main reasons before I ever retired, I mean, I, I flirted with the decision for a couple of years before I went ahead and finished it out. But, you know, I was always concerned about what am I going to do after bull riding? Because I had, that has, was everything I did since I was 15. You know, I never worked. I never had a job. I, I didn't like, I come home, I wasn't on the ranch life. So I didn't, you know, I didn't do none of that. I was just a, a very good athlete and I just rode bulls on the weekends. So that was the biggest concern for me. And then, you know, once this thing felt, you know, come apart and then I started kind of working at it and, and saw what I could potentially do after bull riding. I think it made it easier to, to transfer over uh, because I had something to look forward to. I had a, you know, a vision and, and something to go with and another company to grow, I guess. And that kind of mm-hmm. treated like my bull ride. You know, if you're all in, might as well, you know, give it your all and, and see where it takes you. I think, I think you're right, right there. That's the biggest things that, that the biggest thing that guys miss out or, or don't fail to realize is as you're coming towards the end of your career is having, making a plan, you know, we've talked to guys in the pod that, you know, didn't have a plan and, and it was mentally um, hard on them. So kind of mm-hmm. something to be said there, you know, get something going while you're still going and, and traveling yep. up and down the road and, and have something to take your mind off that, you know, that void. And uh, uh, it, it's a good thing to, to think about, you know, as guys are ending their career. Oh yeah. I mean, it took me a while. Heck, I st- I'd probably still be riding if this wouldn't, uh, you know, if they wouldn't <laughs> have fixed my leg and all that, there's no telling just because that you don't, that you're not unsure. You don't really know what's going to happen or, or what to expect after a life you've lived, you know, especially as long as I did it. I mean, I rode bulls for 24 years. So, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, heck, I always still miss it. And I still think about cracking back out after watching a good ride. But then you see them guys get wrecked out. You're like, Oh, never mind, I'm okay. <laughs> 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 24 years. Holy fuck. Okay. Yeah. That's unreal. Speaking of that 24 year um, career, at the highest level for most of it, which is nuts. Um, to start, go back to the beginning. Kid from Georgia. How the fuck does how does this happen? How did you get into the sport of of bow riding to start with? Man, I I don't I still don't really know for sure how in the world I started doing riding bulls or even come about it. I do know when I was little. I think I was probably 12 or 13. We kept aggravating my dad about getting us a horse. So, you know, he got us a horse and then we, we had the horse trained to try to do roping off of was going, was going calf rope or maybe it's a team rope. Who knows? So we got this fast ass horse that come off the racetrack. So he's pretty much a race. <laughs> and so I, I, I didn't really like it because the horse just wanted to run. As soon as you got on his back, he's going hundred miles an hour. I mean, he, he's not stopping until he gets tired. So anyways, we had him trained to rope off of, and it just didn't work out. And the guy that I was friends with, he was, he wound up being an all around world champion in the PRCA, Ryan Jarrett, his calf roper, okay. team roper. And all. Mm-hmm. So he's, he was riding steers at the time as well, going for the all around and all that. And I'm all like, man, screw this horse stuff. I don't want to know about it. What about the steer riding? So I started riding steers. 
and I didn't think nothing about it. I was doing the steer riding and the bulldog, the shoot dog, and I guess is what they called it. Yep. Yeah. They put fake horns on the calves, you know, and you go out there and you twist them up like a pretzel. But, <laughs> and I really enjoyed that, but I didn't, it didn't have to worry about a horse because I was in the shoot with them. And then it just kind of went, I got done with it. I rode those probably, I don't know, five or six little uh, junior rodeos. And I was real big in the sports. Like I played basketball, football, and I really love basketball. So my dream as a kid was to play in the NBA. I wanted to play basketball. And so that's what kind of, and then I got introduced and I started riding bulls pretty consecutive, you know, about 15 years old and, and I was terrible at it. I couldn't ride. I wanted to figure it out, but I couldn't do it. So my competitive edge come about me and I was bound and determined to ride one of them down things for eight seconds. So it took a little while, but once I did, I fell in love with it. And then they told me I could win money. And I realized my brother and sister was working a job on the weekend Mm-hmm. And they'd making, you know, 100, 150, maybe 200 on a good weekend. And then I'm all like, man, I can go to this rodeo and win five to 600. Yeah. So that's kind of what started. It wasn't about the money, but at the time it was, you know, because I didn't know. I didn't want to get a job. I wanted to ride bulls. And, and the, at the end of the day, I really wanted to be a professional basketball player. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to do what I could through high school to, to make it. And then after high school, uh, was over I had a decision you know go play basketball or or go ride bulls and at the time I'd really craving the sport and I I got to where I was riding pretty good and winning winning pretty consecutive events so that's where it all started and you know as soon as I turned 18 I bought my PBR stuff and went and filled my permit and the first one wrecked me out a bull hit me in the eyeball I had to get on the next one short round with a I had I literally wiped the blood out of my eyeball and not in my head in the short round because the first one had cracked me right. I mean, right in the nose, right, right there at your eye. I couldn't see nothing. I knew it wasn't bad, but it was just bleeding and swelled up. And I remember to the day, like I slid up to nod my head and I took a towel and I wiped it and then I nodded and right. Just so I could, see. you know, it was so bad. I couldn't hardly see nothing. I'm like, you can't, you don't got to see them anyways. It's all feeling, you know, but it was Damn. pretty crazy. I think that's just because I was very competitive. I just wanted to ride bulls, and and then I fell in love with it, and and I still, you know, still to the day, I still love it. Just because what it, you know, it was always different. wasn't the same thing. No matter what you did, it was always you. You never knew what to expect, and I think that's what I craved. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you imagine how your trajectory would have changed if you'd have had CBD oil for that racehorse <laughs> that you that you had, had at the start? <laughs> hey, I would have definitely calmed you before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey that crazy pony there would have needed my bull product <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, uh definitely that's kind of but funny yeah. that you say that like the, the the it's not about the money but when you're a kid and you're making that much money it's like oh fuck it, this is where i need to be plus I mean, old boss, no teen. <laughs> i can remember making 20 to thirty thousand dollars as a junior in high school just going to amateur shows around the house and you know, of course, I wound up winning the whole association like the youngest kid to ever do it in that organization I was in. But still, you know, when when you're just standing around the house and win that kind of money, that's a lot growing up. And that kind of, you know, that's really what took over. I seen there was a there was a good way to make a living riding bulls, you know, especially the PBR has just started coming out. You know, there was real they was still pretty new. I bought my card in 99. So they was only five years old Jesus. when I first bought the permit. Really dating yourself so they, here. 
it, it was still <laughs> fresh, you know, and, and that's what's good for me. I got to ride against some of the people that we looked up to and, you know, they was still riding at the time when I first started going and it was pretty crazy. I remember seeing those guys at my first event and I had, what I think I had a bull promised land in the long round, the first couple that oh, I went to and I'm, and I'm, I didn't have a clue what that bull was. And everybody's like, Hey, what you got? And I was like, I don't know, some big white bull back there in the back. I ain't real sure what he is, but and then those guys knew him, you know, and they was like, oh, you don't know that one? I'm like, heck no, I don't care what it is. He's big. I know that. But, uh, <laughs> and it didn't work out. But, you know, at that age, you didn't, you didn't really care what bulls you was getting on. You was just, you was there to, you know, to prove, you know, to show your ability and ride and, and try to compete with your heroes. And heck, I didn't give a crap. They run Godzilla in or whatever. It didn't matter. I was still going to give it and try to ride him. And yeah. that is pretty fun to, to be around some of them older guys that are, you know, that started our sport and it was pretty interesting. So I know that's where I wanted to be. Who were your, your riding heroes at that time? Who were the, you talk about the guys you looked up to and rode against leading into that. Who were the guys that you wanted to, you know, emulate or, or be like, or, or, you know, your heroes, I guess. I mean, it was, it was tough. Even would have been mine, you know, go to it. Cause that's when, you know, the eight second movie had just come out. It hadn't been out long and, We'd got to watching it, you know, I got to watching Lane Frost, you know, the way he, his schooling's just, you know, that tape he had, he sent out, you know, you watch it, I'd watch it almost every day and, and kind of get aware about it. So that was the guys I liked, you know, growing up. And then Ty Murray, he was really, when I finally come on scene, he was one of the guys that I think he could relate to my riding style because it was, I'm not saying I was kind of, I rode like him, but, you know, I always had a tendency to get on the end of my arm or get stretched out. So he, he kind of meant he, he could relate to what I was doing to try to help me fix some stuff and, and gave me a little advice. And I really thought that was cool. You know, somebody coming from him, like, I mean, it was pretty quick when I got around to that. He's like, here, just try that. He gave me suggestions to try little stuff and it seemed to click for me. And I kept on rolling with it. Kind of, kind of one of those <laughs> jobs that, uh, people can tell you all day long what to do, what they see, what they think they can do. But, until you can put it all together for yourself, it ain't ever going to work out. Yeah. Were they, they sounds like they were really good to you by, by your stories there, but a guy that's kind of not the cowboy style, more of the surfer, wakeboarder, basketball player, uh, <laughs> rolled in there having a good time all the time. What were, uh, what were they like to you? Were they trying to help you out, trying to hey, get you on the right path? Or were they like, who the fuck is this guy? Well, I don't know. I think it's a little bit of both at first. Uh, and I, I didn't, they was probably saying, you know, who the heck are you? But, you know, then once you get to winning and all that, they kind of figure out who you are and it didn't really yeah. matter at that time. And, and of course they think it, they always thought it was fun. Like Ross Coleman, you know, he was a big buddy of mine when I first started, I looked up to him and, and Justin McBride was also just hitting the scene as well. And, so Ross is all like, hey, you're not a big cowboy guy. So, hey, well, let's come to the ranch. Let's teach you some cowboy stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so here we are at the Brandon, you know, in Malala for a week long. And it's pretty much a big party. And and they always got a kick out of watching me try to ride a horse and, <laughs> and put me in the mix. You know, the longer I did it, the better I got at it. But I wasn't ever really that great at it. As, as J.B. Mooney will tell you, it was – best stories of his life in Calgary is watching me win around to make the big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. And then head to the so he, he, he would root for me to, to win every round at Calgary yeah. just so he could watch me get on the horse and he'd tell everybody on the shoot, you know, uh, 
all them ropers in there. Oh, y'all want him to win the round? I promise you, because this is going to be entertaining. If he dang wins, it has to take this victory lap. <laughs> uh. So your parents, uh, you were born in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Start yep. with, so was there any, like your dad, did he have any rodeo background at all? You said you, you guys got a horse and stuff when you were young, but what was, what was your, uh, your family like in that sense? Well, he, uh, my dad got on bulls at the Lazy E Arena before it was the Lazy E Arena. Okay. It was just a practice jackpot, and I guess him and some friends, you know, they just was curious to ride. So, I mean, he didn't get on many, probably 10 or 12, he said, but he did there. So, he was always interested in the cowboy lifestyle. And so, once we got the horse and all that, you know, he did what he knew, and he made us – he's like, if you want to do this, he said, I want you to learn about it. I want you to study the horse. I want you to read books about it. And he was all full-fledged because he really enjoyed the, the cowboy lifestyle as well. So, that was a little help, you know. Obviously, my mother really didn't care much about me riding the bulls, but uh, she was always there. I mean, she she would drive me hours and hours. She drove me from to my first Torn Pro that I ever went to when I was eighteen. Yeah. We drove to wherever uh, Hattiesburg, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, rode Friday, Saturday, and then she drove all night to get me back to a high school rodeo on Sunday in Georgia. <laughs> so she was always there, and I think that what made it easier on her as long as she could be there to watch. She was more. Wasn't as worried, I guess, for me, but she was pretty excited when I told her I was retiring that she could get some sleep now. <laughs> yeah, <that's>, yeah. <laughs> uh, man. So was the was the PRCA ever uh, an idea of yours, or was it always PBR? Always PBR. I never, I, I never really did look in in the rodeo much. I think I went to maybe fifteen PRCA rodeos in my whole career. Uh, and, and seven of those were when I first turned 18, I went to seven, I rode all seven bulls, built my permit and never bought my card, went to PBRs. Well, yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It wasn't nothing that I didn't, uh, necessarily. I just, I just realized the people that I was looking up to, I wanted to be like was all right in the PBR. So that was, that's where I wanted to go. And that was the main reason that's all I ever went to. And, you know, once you get there and if, if you got the ability to stay there, I mean, there's no, there's, uh, there wasn't no other option for me. I didn't really want to do both. Cause I mean, you go to the PBR, you can do as much PPR wise as you can rodeo wise these days yeah. uh, with some events. So I just stuck with one thing and, uh, you know, put all my biscuits in one, <laughs> in one yeah, bag. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think when you rode, when you wrote a former guest on the show as well, had a, had a big ride on Clayton's pet, Luke Snyder. We talked to him about it. And for me, that stands out for with you was when you rode Clayton's pet. Was that kind of when you got the confidence that uh, I'm one of the baddest motherfuckers in the world? I can, right. I can do this. Or was that just another I think ride it, for you? Well, it, it was another ride, but I think what got me that was the couple of weeks before that when I won the George Paul and okay. Del Rio. And that's what got me the invite to the big show. And then I went to Little Rock, the first one. And that was my second one in Raleigh. And then I wound up having Clayton's pet in the short round. And and when I rode him, I, I knew that bull because, you know, I'd already kind of got to where I was watching more and paying more attention to him. And I knew that Chris Shivers was just a bunch of points on that bull like a couple of weeks before I got on him. So I knew if I could make it happen, it was going to be good and it could, you know, definitely set me up for the for that year in the final because i come home pretty late that year i did second half of the season for me was and then i made the finals for my first year so i didn't get to go to a lot that year mm -hmm. my rookie season but 
that definitely uh that rise there was one of them that always sticks out i mean it was and to a, to a certain point i mean it was one of the easiest rides that i ever made but definitely one of those confidence builders that hey you know i can ride with the best i can ride these best bulls and gives you a little bit more confidence to keep on going with them beauty the helmet let's get into that you were watching on tv as like a little kid you were one of the first guys to ever wear a helmet and you had the old hockey helmet right from from uh, the get-go of the career what was the decision behind that well it, it, it wasn't my decision by no means i was i was always that kid you know hey if you're gonna ride bull you know if you're gonna wear a helmet play football or hockey uh and, you know i'm never gonna ride one with riding bulls anyways and I quit college. I went to college for a year, made the nationals and won the region I was in. And I decided about a month into the second year that I was done, I wanted to go strictly riding bulls. So I entered my first event in Corning, Nebraska and Mark Ward's event there and cracked mm -hmm. my skull. Bull hit me in the temple and laid me out, mummied me up. I thought it was stitches later on. They did surgery, all that. So that was pretty much, uh, my decision was the doctor saying, Hey, if you, if you want to ride bulls again, you wear a helmet. If not, uh, you'll never get on another one. So he made my decision pretty easy. I went and put the helmet on and, and never looked back for our, for our younger listeners who are aspiring to be bull riders, the transition from the cowboy hat to the helmet, was it a tough one for you or was it, I mean, I mean, obviously you had to do it to keep going, but, um, did, did you have to adjust your riding style or, or do anything different or was it fairly easy? It is absolutely no difference if you wear a helmet or wear a cowboy hat. The only difference that I always felt with it is with, with was with my vision. I would lose vision of a bull, not while I'm on them, but when I when I would dismount or get off, I would it would take me a little longer to figure out where I was at or where the bull was at. So, that, you know, in bull riding, it's everything's, you know, a split second, you know, that can either get you saved or get you run over. Mm -hmm. And so that losing eyesight and not really realizing where I was at, just it come as I got used to wearing the helmet, uh, the more I used it, you know, right out of the rip. Yeah, I hated it. But then I got to where I could, I got to working on it, tweaking it to what fit me. I always cut them bars out of my helmet. Everybody knows I had a whole line across mm -hmm. my face mask that I could see. So that opened up the sight for me and, yeah, it may have weakened the mass, but, you know, as a bull rider, I never – I was very fortunate. I didn't get hit in the head a lot. I didn't really get jerked down on bull's head. You know, very rare would I you ever see me get jerked down. Uh, I did get one with a helmet on and got some stitches in my chin. But, you know, other than that, I had no problem with wearing a helmet. Yeah, of course, I would buck off and I would – it just gave me something to blame it on other than blame yeah. it on. <laughs> yeah. Something in the trash can and I'd kick it and I'd be mad at it. I'm like, never wearing it again, but – Come the next day, I'd go pull it out of the trash can. I'd have it on my head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you? Uh, it was pretty like taboo at that time, right? It was the the kind of the old school guys not thinking that that was something to do. Did you take a lot of shit for wearing it? Uh, not really. I mean, there was some guys that would give you a hard time, you know, with the helmet. But you know, at that stage, I don't think nobody really. It wasn't that bad at all. I mean, I didn't get really that much crap from wearing it was just because I knew I had to, I guess was the main reason. Yeah. But yeah, there was a lot of those old guys that taught me how to ride was like, Oh yeah, you big old puss, blah, blah, blah. You need to quit wearing a helmet. I'm like, well, it's either that or get whacked in the head again and die. You know, you tell me <laughs> like you either make my career and be smart about it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 
pretty it was pretty wild and it definitely it, it i guarantee you one thing it saved my saved my life and and was able to let me have such a long career from cutting down on the concussions and the silly injuries that could have been preventive if i would have had a cowboy hat on yeah I, I was mad at it a lot but in the long run i'm i guarantee you that was one of the big reasons that was i was able to have such a long career yeah unreal nice. Um, you, you obviously like the dance clubs as you, as you, uh, went along on tour. Uh, what about when you were a kid? Did you, did you spend a lot of time in some dance clubs in Georgia? Oh man. I, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, so, uh, when I, when I started riding, I was seven, six, 16, 17. And I started going to these amateur associations here. And so, going to these <laughs> rodeos all the time i was winning the deal I, I was the youngest kid to ever win the association i was like 17 and i was going so they would make fun of me and it'd be like wednesday night here in my well, about 20 minutes from where i live they would have a teen night and so you went to teen night and all they did was play that it was just a dance club i mean you went down there and you danced and you walked out sweating <laughs> so me and my buddy he was he was a big wrestler so we he always thought he was ripped and he was cut up little dude you know and I just thought I was silly and I'd wear my cowboy hat. We would wear wife beaters, like the tank top white ones you get at Walmart. <laughs> and I'd wear my cowboy hat and he would always wear, you know, his hair spiked up, jailed up because he was one of those kind of guys. <laughs> and we would go every Wednesday night to, to teen night with our wife beaters on in a dance club and just dance it out. And everybody knew if I went, they would ask me, <laughs> I'd show up at them rodeos. It was all like, so did you go to teen night? I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, y'all better be winning second I'm loosened up. It'd give me a hard time because I would go in there dancing. And I guess that's where I learned how to get a lot of my dancing skills. And I really liked it. And I kind of took it. I think it worked out for the whole bull riding career as well. You know, it, it gets you in tune. You know, you, you dancing with somebody, you kind of got to get in timing with them or it's all crazy feeling. You ain't nothing working out. So I think that worked out good for the boy. Definitely get your hips loosened up the crazy stuff I could do. <laughs> I heard, I heard. Yeah, that is wicked. <laughs> uh, I did tease the PBR one time in a, in a few interviews. They was uh, they was saying something, or what, if I wasn't a professional bull rider, what would I be doing? I'd be like, man, I'd be a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> magic Mike. <laughs> I and. and, and and all those people that I did, I'm pretty sure that they really, they that's like, well, I can see that happening. Yeah. <laughs> I always, I know that like during, um, well, all the time you would, you'd always be planning kind of cool shit for the buddies and shit outside of the arena, whether it's snowboarding trips or um, wakeboarding trips. But what's your ties with the, the say I won't crew and, and maybe more specifically Nashville. I remember you guys were always uh, on the boat wakeboard mm -hmm. and getting all the buddies together. Yeah, it was just it's just something we, you know, they them guys would just say I won't. We're still, you know, real close. We still talk all the time. And, you know, they just had a good brand and I, I really liked their brand and what it meant. So I tried to live it every day, you know, like the no fear type attitude, uh, challenge me at anything. And yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try it at least once for sure. So yeah, we always try to come out with something that, you know, to to get the group of guys out and about to kind of take your mind off the bull ride and have a little fun and get you relaxed before the weekend you know, for your roads. So it's always great, especially we would do a big deal. We had a big boat. I mean, we could sleep out there, a big yacht, you know, and go out and stay on the water three or four days before the event started. And 
you know, as I, the more I did it, the more I seen the benefits with it, you know, and the exercise and, and the strength wise and, and it all, it all tied all into bull riding to what we was trying to do, you know, exercise wise. And I know when I was weightboarding every day, I was definitely in tune and, and definitely in shape. Yeah. I think it's all because more core, core exercise as well. And that was the main thing. Yeah. yeah. So you were a guy that, that really took it, uh, obviously had fun outside of the arena, but really took things serious. So with the, the longevity that you had, did you, was it just wakeboarding and, and doing activities outside the arena or were you in the gym and had a training regiment and all that sort of stuff too, along with your career? I, I did a little bit of all of it really. And, and I tried not to pinpoint it to where, Hey, I was just going to go to the gym and do this. That's why I did all those other things because it all at the same sense was pretty much the same exercise, same muscles that you use when you're riding bulls and, and doing all those other extreme sports that I did. And, you know, between the downhill, fast, uphill mountain bike riding to snowboarding and weightboarding, all that was kind of all hand in hand and, and worked out good for me. And just going to the lake. I mean, I wouldn't, if I was during the summer, I didn't have to go to the gym because I was doing other stuff to stay in shape too. But yeah, I was always one of those that, I mean, I was going to be in shape uh, pretty much every, yeah. every year or, or best because heck you get beat down. You never know when you may have to be out and take some time off. Was the, the consecutive events you were, you almost caught Luke Snyder for the, the, uh, Ironman award of the most consecutive events in a row. Was that something that you knew you were doing that you were trying to keep going to events and keep that goal going? Or was that, it was it just fucking all flowing together and that's just something that, that you were lucky enough to get to that many events in a row. I don't, I didn't, I had no clue about it until when Luke first missed his, whenever he missed his first event, you know, I had not that cause they got to look and like, well, who would be next in line and then it come down to me, and I'm. Then they told me, and they's like, you know, you haven't missed a year in like ten years. I'm like, no, I didn't know that. So then that, that kind yeah. of, you know, then they put the pressure on you, like, oh, you're running for blah 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 consecutive, and oh, he's slipping, he's falling down, he's not gonna make it. So they just put a little pressure on you because they mentioned some silly stuff that in, in the long run I had no clue about. So just keep it like I don't have a clue, and let's see what we can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it was, it was, I had, I had no clue at all. And it was pretty, you know, looking back, it's, that's pretty crazy. I can't believe, I still can't believe it that I made it that many. Cause I know I was hurt. I know there's a couple of those. I knew I had a surgery, but it worked out to where I didn't ever have to miss an event to either that or tough it out and, and ride, you know, I rode with a broken surgery on my wrist with a cast right off the bat. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even miss a weekend. I did surgery on Monday and went road that weekend. Fuck. Oh. <laughs> so, and, I, and I don't, but you know, it all worked out to me. It was my free arm. So it wasn't nothing that was keeping me out. Yeah, there was some silly stuff. I probably should have took some time off that I just toughed it out and, and kept going, anyways. Yeah. I don't think I yeah. went a full year. <laughs> I don't think I ever did. <laughs> no, I still, 10 I years. How, it was 10 years for sure with the last that I knew. And then. I still don't know how many consecutive ones I went to. Two thirty, maybe two thirty-one, somewhere in there. Yeah. So you break it down. You know, you do thirty a year. Started adding up. I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Touring pros, everything on top of that. Um, you were you were part of uh, Team USA before the 
the Global Cups, they were the World Cups. Was that something that was a, a big honor to you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I remember the first year we was on there, you know, we wound up won it for the USA and, and Mexico there. And and it was very – I was very – felt very fortunate to be on that team because, you know, at the time there was some heavy hitters out there. I think everybody on our team that year wound up being a world champion or already was besides me and LJ Jenkins. Yeah. So it was pretty incredible to – to see that start, and I knew they was on to something good to promote that. I thought I knew it would be a good hit. Uh, and now looking at it from back then, the the how much farther it's come and, and performing. I mean, it's amazing, especially to be on a team these days and to be able to one of the four, you know, the first ones ever to come out with that to be on a team was pretty pretty incredible. You guys wouldn't have actually. I broke out that buck. No, it was no fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it was, it was, it was okay. We, we, we went to, uh, uh, what the, maybe the governor of Mexico, he's having a party at his house at his, his governor mansion house there. And, and so we went there and so you walk in, they had the big sombreros laying around. So of course me, you know, Luke Snyder's funny, but he's going to put one on and wear it around all night. And so it was pretty fun to, to get to hang out with the governor of Mexico in, in his mansion and, and really not understand what nobody was talking about. <laughs> I mean, they did they did the whole bull, the bull ride. You know, they had a the announcer, you know, it was all in Spanish. You know, of course, Brandon Bates was there to kind of help us out, you know, to understand what the heck was going on. So, yeah, it was pretty fun. I like Mexico. Fuck that. So for you, a guy that, that started, you said 99 and then um... – rolled right into a couple of years ago. What was the biggest changes maybe that you've seen throughout the PBR, whether bull power, the whole atmosphere of it, but was there, does it seem like it's come a long way since 99, the differences within the, the riders or within the PBR itself? Yes. It, yeah. It's way, way crazy now. Um, uh, it's more, uh, it's more of a recognized sport now. So, you know, of course, you know, you're, you're in the, you're in the spotlight 24 seven, not that you wasn't back then as much, but uh, it just seems now like these days with all the social media and all the different things that people can get involved with to help promote them or the sport of bull riding is just incredible just to see the growth of it and, and to where it is today and see these young kids to be able to, to compete for the prize money that they can but on the other side of it, be able to promote themselves and, and get invested with other stuff as well. And, and actually see, you know, benefits from the hard work that they do and, and the job that we live, you know, they're, they're actually reaping the benefits from it. And, and maybe, maybe for too long, you know, they'll get what they deserve. And, you know, it's starting to grow for sure to where they were recognized as more of a, a professional sport sport other than just, you know, Hey, look at these bunch of, idiots or cowboys mm. out here trying to ride these cows and all that and yeah it was at first it was a lot of you know we had to explain it you know nobody really understood what was going on or what we was trying to do and so there was a lot of explaining going on nowadays everybody's aware of it so there's not as much explaining there's just more sh- more riding and showing off your skills yeah what was it was it you and Bo hill and what was the three six mafia story Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was in Alabama, Birmingham, uh, 3-6 Mafia, and a couple other people was having a, a party after our event. We was there on Sunday, and so I don't know how in the world we got invited, but next thing you know, we're backstage with them and, and hanging out with them. It's me and Bo Hill, Chris Shivers, Mike White, 
uh, a couple other guys, I'm sure, was with us. And uh, next thing you know, we're on stage with Three Six Mafia just doing our thing. And- <laughs> oh, your dance would have came in handy. Your dance would have came in handy. For uh, I'm pretty sure that I was up there rapping their songs with them because I was a big Three Six Mafia fan, and so I knew a lot of their songs. And they're and they're like, "Wow, this a rapping cowboy over here!" And I think that's what got us on stage. Maybe I'm not real sure how that went down. A lot of Jack and Cokes was involved. Was, <laughs> I ain't real sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gold. Was it hard for you? Like, I know for myself, like when I first came on tour, the guys in the locker room, you know, you became really good friends with them. And then as as a lot of those guys kind of faded out, it kind of seemed like a dip, different atmosphere. And it was like different for me, right? It was a little bit like not as, I don't know, welcoming or, you know, you just didn't feel like you did maybe when you first came on. You, over the longevity over your career, you started with the founders and then you kind of became a mentor for a lot of guys including you know jb and Cantor, and then into like outlaw and all through the generations you're always positive and always happy and having a good time do you think that that played into it or how did you how did you kind of go through all those different those careers just love the sport so much or what was kind of your your uh trick to to staying in the zone and, and being able to go with all the different crews just i think for me i was just trying to stay young you know i didn't and that was a part of it. I seen a lot of the younger generation coming on. So I, I wanted to know what, what, what they was doing, how they approached the sport and, you know, their training styles. And it, it kind of got to where it was more, more guys were coming from the training, kind of like, you know, how I started and not really the cowboy lifestyle, but just coming in as an athlete and being a competitor. And so the whole, it kind of switched. Uh, I seen it over the years kind of go from, Hey, we're here to have a good time to where they're here to still have a good time, but when they get home or when they get done, they wouldn't necessarily going to do much of it during the event, which is smart. I mean, in the long run, I can look back at it, man, if I would have kind of dialed it back just a little bit on some of them years, yeah, I probably could have had a lot more, or I don't know. I mean, I, I did pretty good. I ain't going to complain, but you know, if I would have took a little bit more of a, very positive like hey i'm gonna do this approach and they tried to get me to do that quite a bit and tried to get you to talk and smack to where hey i'm but i never looked at it that way i always let my riding do the talking for me and you know i was going to be happy and smile about it at the end of the day and, and go on and when those young kids come in as i got older they i mean that yard what kept me going and, and kept me competitive to to still want to do it and be a competitor and I just looked at them and wanted to be like them. I knew they was coming up, and I dang sure didn't want nobody to beat me. So, you know, I, I had to show them a little bit about what what I was accustomed to. And, you know, of course, you learn more from the older generation. than as the new guys come in, you learn from them as well. So it's always a learning curve. And it seemed like you're learning every day in the sport of bull riding. What was uh, what was JB and, and Cantor like when they came on as, as rookies? Uh, there's a lot of stories and uh, a lot of uh... – wildcat scenarios you were right there with them how were how was how were those two when they come on very quiet at first they was quiet but uh very interested at what was going on so you could tell them to do whatever and they was going to do it <laughs> so that's kind of <laughs> how it all started and you know i remember from day one like I, I met jb way before he was even old enough i mean he, i think he was just started riding bulls and, and i was already going my professional career and then he come on and you know, I got, I'm like, Hey, I know y'all I've heard about you. Y'all ain't worth a damn. And then he, Oh, whatever. And so we got to be good friends and got to traveling and, and learning. And wow. Yeah. We, we, we got crazy and we had a lot of fun. 
and did a lot of wild and fun stuff that would never there's some things that we did that I'm surprised we even come out alive. <laughs> but hey, still here and you know, and and there was new silly stuff and I don't know. They just didn't really have. Yeah, everybody knows JB Mooney. He just there's no filter whatsoever, and it was like that from day one. He never he never really did have a filter, and he was the baddest, toughest thing going. The uh, even the- though he wasn't. He- He's a crony turtle with a caved-in chest, is what I always said. But he, <laughs> in his mind, the baddest, toughest thing going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the injuries throughout your career, I'm, I'm sure that the the CBD company is is helping with the recovery from them. But the one that stands out to me, and um, I've asked this question to LJ as well too. But breaking your neck is that was that fucking the sketchiest thing ever? Not knowing kind of how that works or or that situation that you were in well mine was very mine was pretty good actually uh i never would have thought i broke my neck when i did it i just thought i you know no i slipped a rib out up top something crazy it never hurt it was one of the injuries that didn't hurt but if you don't do it right or do something wrong it can go south real quick uh and for me it was just wearing neck brace for for four weeks or whatever it was Three months, I guess, 12 weeks. Yeah. And then I, I started back riding right after. So it wasn't a bad break for me. I was very fortunate that some odd reason the doctor thought it was cool. He's like, hey, if you're ever going to break your neck, the way you broke yours is the way to do it. I'm like, oh, thanks, doc. <laughs> <laughs> Much obliged. Oh, yeah, thank you. So I didn't have to have surgery or none of that. So I was pretty fortunate with that one. And it, it scared the crap out of a lot of people, you know. But for me, I was, heck, I couldn't. I was ready to come back riding pretty quick. Just yeah. had to wait my time. I I really found the bull power. That was right when I first got on tour, and that's when you kind of like realized, holy shit, we're in the fucking battle here. Because you broke your neck, then Bonner broke his neck, then LJ broke his neck. I never seen anybody break their fucking neck before, and three guys within not very long within each other. Like, okay, we're in the show now, boys. Fucking, let's really get going here. Yeah, and it's, it's always, you know, when you break your neck, it's always something silly because the way they throw you off, like mine was just, a, I'd landed like that or 10 times worse, you know, thousands of times. It was just the way I, the bull threw me off and I'd had no rotation and I was upside down. That was the only bad. It's just a, the way you hit. And like you said, it comes to the bull power and that's quick. It can change, you know, one, one bad landing and, and that's all it, that's all it takes. So later on in your career, um, obviously you go through it, had uh, lots of ups and downs, injuries, and, and a lot of success. Uh, the win in your home state in Duluth, uh, where you, I think you were kind of on the bubble at that time too, right? Was that, was that uh, a huge moment for you? Obviously it's your home state as well on top of it. Yeah, it was, it was really good. I, I just had my first child uh, in, in December, and well, I think that event was like she was really young. It was her first event, maybe, and so we went there. And I've been there for years and years and years, and always had at least a hundred to two hundred people from here coming to watch, and everybody's fired up. And I never, I don't even know if I ever rode a bull in the state of Georgia at one of those events yeah. until that year. And so, and to come back, you know, and it was my first first bull ride, and as a dad, you know, as a dad in my home state, and everything just worked out, and two, it was pretty incredible. It took me too long to win it. I know that. And, then I went back a couple of times after that, and guess what? Didn't ride a bull, I'm pretty sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it was. 
that event or, or that weekend, but you know, as you, you never know what to expect. And, you know, you always train to try to do the best. And I don't know, I always had, I always struggled here for sure. But then I could go to Oklahoma city and win it. And it's the toughest board riding there is. So I don't, yeah. I'm also, I did get lucky. I got to win the one in my home where I was born and then, you know, my home state now in Georgia. So that was pretty, pretty cool accomplishment for me. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of accomplishments. So bulls, uh, that you got under your belt, hot stuff, scene of the crash, blizzard, Okeechobee spots, werewolf, evil forces, California dreaming, all these bulls, I grew up on and, and famous, famous bulls through over the years. Is there one that a Clayton's pet, obviously too. Mm -hmm. Is there one that stands out other than the Clayton's pet one as, as your best ride throughout your career? Or do you have anything that stands out in that sense? (laughs) Well, blizzard, the the cute muley. (laughs) (laughs) Ride that stupid thing. And I don't know why, because he wasn't, I don't know. He's just, he was very hard and hard to track, I guess. And, so I <laughs> no, but he was by, by far the hardest bull, you know, that nobody could ride was was Blizzard, and you know, is he just a cute muley? He just stood there like a chant, like a show steer, and you know, then he just butt. It's hard to, hard to get by. But score wise and markings would be Mossy Up Mudslinger. Uh, I think I was nine three, maybe nine three and a half on him at uh, Ooh, JW yeah. Hart's Torn Pro. <laughs> uh, and I went second. I didn't even win the bull riding, so. I think uh, the, what the the guy from uh, Hawaii, Zach Brown. Zach Brown, yep. Was it? Yep. Yeah, he rode another one of them, maybe Hustler or something. Yeah. One of them old time bucking bulls there. He was ninety four, so he had to win second too. It didn't even win much money, but it was pretty <laughs> incredible, and especially to be at JW Hart's bull riding as well, and and to ride that you know great bull Mossy Oak Mudslinger. Yeah, that's a good one to have under the belt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you go back older. I, I rode Moody Blues too, way back when, and you know some of them other older bulls. I never did have a chance to get on the little spotted bull. What the heck was his name? Blueberry Wine. Oh yeah. I never, I never did get a chance to get on him, but I seen him quite a bit. Never got to tie into him. I thought that would would have been fun too. He's just a little squirt little guy. Yeah. The uh, the style that you had, if you watched any of the the broadcasts. Uh, over your whole career, they always wanted to to get at you for your for your lean back style. You always would get on the end of your arm, like you said, rock back. Uh, was it something that was it just natural to you, or were you always were you trying to fix that? Were you trying to go forward more? Or what was the whole situation behind that? Because they really played it up on TV, like you were really trying to fix that. No, I never was trying to fix it. Fucking I never. Man. I don't. It was just. It was just. <laughs> it was just something that. It was just part of my riding style. I mean, I did it from day one. I go back and I and I asked some friends that, you know, since I've retired that knew me when I was first starting. And we would go back and watch older videos like when I first started. And I always had that lean back to me. I don't know why, if it was because my arms were so damn long, you know, and I, did, I don't have a long upper body, but I got long legs and long arms. So it was kind of just what worked for me and, and throwing that last ditch effort, that Hail Mary and, the, if I could keep it controllable, it would work out in my favor. But very, very few times you can get back there and make it work out. So I don't know why I would do it. It was just a mental block, and it's something that I had grown accustomed to doing, to making the signature move. Yeah, it got me bucked off a lot. But then again, there's a few of those ranker bulls that it got me by and, and got yeah. me a qualified ride. That was your style, all right? Everybody's got their own style. The way I, I did awesome. it, I mean, 
have a, a the Willingham lean back move, go ahead. I mean, sometimes <laughs> it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, the retirement part of part of things, you you had a kind of a retirement year, and everybody was was uh, playing it up that that you were done, and then you ended up coming back. What was the what was the situation or mindset behind that? I couldn't get enough. I was I wasn't ready to retire. I mean, because I just had come back from from an injury, you know, and uh, and then I, I'd come back and I was riding really good at the finals, and you know, I was talking to my wife. I'm like, man, it's just I, I feel too good, and I I had hired a trainer the first time I'd ever hired a personal trainer in my professional career, and and he had me. At, really really top shape and so i'm like hey i can i want to do this again so i got to aggravate the ceo at the finals that year on the way to the red carpet and i'm like hey i'll ride it i'll ride another year if you got anybody that's looking for a you know a big time sponsor to looking to pick somebody up next year let me know i'll go again you know i was just joking i was just aggravating crap out of him really is what i was doing and sure enough i <laughs> went in there started getting ready for the for the perf that night and Sean Gleason comes back in there. He's like, Hey, come here. I need to talk to you. I'm like, I'm trying to get ready. You know, I do got to perform here tonight for you at the finals. So you don't <laughs> let me, or you want me to come talk to you? He's all like, trust me. You, you want to come talk to me? I'm like, all right, cool. I'll give you five. I was like, you got five minutes, make it quick. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then he just told me, he's like, Hey, I got somebody that's interested. They sponsored you before. They may want to come back on board again. If you're, if you want to ride for another year, let me know. And so I talked to the wife, I told her, I'm like, yeah. And so we thought about it and it just worked out to where, Hey, you know, I had somebody going to back me and to give, give me that extra, Hey, I can still do this. I'm going to go another year and do it right and, and see how far I can go. And cause I still always, I mean, I always had intentions on being a world champion and yep. I knew in my older years, it was far, you know, it was going to be hard to achieve, but my mindset was still there. And then I had I had a sponsor come in and, and big time back me, so it made it easier for me to, hey, and bust it out. And unfortunately, I made it till March and broke my leg pretty bad, and that was kind of the damper on that party. Yeah, that was Border Patrol, right? Wasn't that when U.S. Border Patrol came on? Yeah. Oh, come on, and you know I was with them back in 2008. Uh, that year they was there then, so they wanted to come back, and and they'd realized that I'd already been with them and, and liked it, so. You know, they brought me back on board again, and and then shoot, they wind up doing a two year deal with me. So even after I broke my leg and tried to come back after it, you know, they was still stuck with me throughout the rest of it. Yeah. Nice. The the agency uh, side of things too. You were doing that, or I don't know if you're still doing that with uh, XD, or or if you're still. Do you have anything to do with that? I mean, I, I kind of I, I dab with it a little bit. I'm always trying to reach out to new uh, potential sponsors. Uh, you never know. You know, I send some emails all the time or I'll meet somebody on the road that, that may have a contact. And, and so I'm always still plugging it a little bit. I don't do a lot with them, uh, but I do still try to, you know, get new clients or new, new potential sponsors, even if it's just with some riders or maybe even coming as a corporate sponsor for the PBR. I, because I still I'm out there and I do meet a lot of people and you never know who you might run across it. Hey, I want to be, I want to join up. I want to get involved with this sport. So, but yeah, I don't do a lot of it. It kind of got a headache. I tried to take it on by myself for a little while and had about four guys under me and it was pretty easy. And then it kind of got to where it wasn't so much easy no more. And we just kind of all went over to XD sports instead of just doing my own thing. Oh, cool. So that's, that side of things. You're still, 
obviously still uh, love the sport, 20 years of it. Is that kind of how you might stay involved or do you find anything in your future, whether it be wanting to do media or would you like to stay involved in the sport in some way? I'm a barrel racer. Hey, <laughs> 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 uh, that's why I tell people, I'm like, hey, if you have a horse, we are new best friends. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm definitely, I want to stick around. I mean, I, I enjoyed, uh, I did a couple of their broadcasts live for the, the ride pass. So, I mean, I enjoyed doing the commentating and, and talking about it still. So yeah, I'm always going to be around, and I want to be involved with with the PBR and what it's what it's doing in the future. Always, it's you know, it's a life that if you live this long, that you can't, you don't want to avoid it because that's just going to cause you to stress out and be like, man, what did I do for all them years? And you know, people can have a, a bad side effect from it, or you know, make them go crazy. I guess is one thing to say, but but yeah, you definitely always want to be around, no matter what it is. And you know, I'll still go do promoting and they'll call me. I'll do, still do some PR stuff for them and a lot of other stuff. So it's pretty fun. It's just, uh, it's fun being retired. I wake up feeling good every day. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've been such a great ambassador. Obviously that's why still doing the promotions and all that sort of stuff. You've been great for the sport, both inside and outside of the arena. So I'm sure there's going to be a, a ring of honor in the future for you at some point, in my opinion. So look forward to that time. I'll come down there. We'll do some dance moves and party. Yeah, that's right. Break down on stage for everybody. I may have to break out the wife beater for them, though. They're not ready for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, teen night. Yeah, maybe. Uh, fuck. Uh, Scott has our, uh, our infamous question for you here as well. Well, Sean, great talking to you today again. And uh, I'm glad things are going good for you with your new company and uh, your CBD oil. Um, uh, this is the NFP podcast. And uh, you know what that stands for in our yeah. books. Um, we just want to know what your take is on NFP. I mean, just live life to the fullest. I mean, just like I was trying to teach my, my girl the other day, she's scared to do a trick. And she's done it since she was five. And it's gymnastics cheerleading. It's no big deal. Just like life, I mean, there's going to be setbacks. If there wasn't any setbacks, there would never be a comeback. So make the comeback strong and, and better yourself. You know, it's a learning tech. It's a learning point for her. And I try to get in her brain. I'm like, it's just a mental block. You got to work through that mental block and you're going to be 10 times better. That's why you do the training, the hard work to so you know in the back of your mind, no matter what you're doing in life, you've trained, you put your mindset to it, you're going to achieve it. And then there's there's nothing going to, you know, you're going to have bad outcomes, but that's why we train so hard. So the outcomes are not as near as bad as they could be. Man, I like it. I, I got to tell you, I'm going to quote you on that. If there's no setbacks, there's no comeback. Fuck that, I like right. that. That is awesome. <laughs> Willie, man, we appreciate you big time on here. And, and uh, one uh, one little story I wanted to tell was you talked about when you kind of first came on tour and, and how when you started winning, you know, you didn't have to worry about people being nice to you. When I first came on tour in Phoenix, I didn't know anybody uh, other than my brother and, and – uh, but you were the one that, that tied me in uh, uh, and on the back of the bullet. I remember you helped me and I and, uh, got a cool picture of my very first short round. And there's you up on the top bar of the shoots clapping and cheering me on. So, uh, yeah, hang on. <laughs> hang the fuck on. <laughs> but like I said, like you were over the years, all the, the young guys coming in, you were never, you were way better than us and you had a way uh, longer career and were right there from the start, but you never acted like it. You, you tried to help everybody. 
uh, that was coming up. And I know myself and, and all of us in, in our generation really appreciated that over the years. Yes, sir. No problem. I remember you one year in Calgary before you was even old enough. I think you was riding in the steer riding maybe there. Uh, <laughs> that was way back. That's like, I don't even remember when that was. One yeah. of those years is younger. Did he, did he have a massive uh, head of red hair? Oh, yeah. Puffing Mass- around by any chance? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Just well, you know, and, uh, and on that note, too, man, when you'd roll into Calgary, I mean, I was fighting bulls there to see, uh, like, I knew you through Jesse and, uh, you know, we weren't real super good friends or anything, but acquaintances and, you know, just to say hello and sit down, you were always willing to bullshit a little bit. And uh, you had that uh, demeanor about you. And I really respected that all the, all the years I got to run around in front of them for you. So it was pretty cool, man. You were that guy that you were like, Oh, there he is. You know, it was, right. uh, it was cool. It was really cool. It's good. It was, Hey, my, I'll tell you, I know I do got a good story for y'all. I'm speaking on the Calgary stampede. Yeah. So <laughs> being, being a guy from, from Georgia, not really knowing much about the whole rodeo world and, and all that, but I rode bulls. So uh, I got invited to Calgary stampede, maybe 2005. And there was, uh, I think they only paid 50,000 that year. Mm-hmm. And so I got this invite from Calgary Stampede. It's in the mail and all this. And, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, it's during the summer. I'm going to stay. That's my wakeboarding time at home on the lake. So guess what? My stupid <laughs> did. I turned it down. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got, about it as, you know, later on, I'm all like, I, I can't remember who won the 50,000. Maybe Ross Coleman won it that year or JW Hart. Somebody did. And then we seen them the next week, and they're like, "Yeah, that was Calgary." That's all like, you could have been there. You could have won fifty grand too. And that's when it hit me. I'm like, "Oh my god!" I turned down the, one of the biggest opportunities <laughs> there is in, in the sport of going to the big rodeos. I just turned them down. Like, ah, no big deal. I'm, nah, whatever. I'm, I'm, I remember talking to the guys trying to beg me to come, and he's like, "Are you sure?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm good. I'm at home. I'm taking the summer off from whiteboarding." <laughs> and so after it hit me i'm all like oh my god i'll never get invited back it's, that was bad decision but luckily enough for me i had a good season that year so i got invited back the next three years and i did not turn them down after that <laughs> well I, I can pretty much guarantee you on the other end of the phone on the calgary stampede side of it when you said that when they hung up the phone they probably went what the fuck this guy just turned down the calgary stampede go away, like, who, who the hell is this guy yeah yeah thank you i'm good i think i apologized for him the next three or four years straight while i was there too i'm like i want to let y'all know that i'm really sorry for that i did not understand what was going on (laughs) hey without any without any setbacks there's no comebacks buddy that's exactly right oh dude good i loved it we appreciate you uh coming on here and and good luck with your uh driven pcr everybody go check that out you can find it on uh on probably on your instagram facebook you got all your stuff rolling with it too right sean yep. go check you out oh yeah yeah that's it drivenpcr.com is a website or you know look me up it's all on there got any questions the main thing is call me i can i can tell you more about it than that than the website's ever going to tell you one quick question with that can it be can we get it in canada uh can you ship to canada um, yeah I, yeah i do work? i do have a couple of big time barrel horse trainers from canada uh, Caroline Boucher is one of them. So I don't know where she's out of up there. I think she's more over in, uh, Saskatchewan or whatever. Oh. <laughs> hey, Saskatchewan, baby. 
That's my home promise. Did I get bro. it right? Yeah. Well, not bad. Not bad. We'll give it to you. We'll yeah, give it we'll to give you. you yeah, I think, I think that's where she is. So, yeah, there, there's a couple of restrictions, but we, uh, as of now, we haven't had any issues with – but I've only got a couple of people using it. So, the more we get into it, it's pretty good. I know I can I can always send it, just don't – it's just kind of weird. But, yeah, as of now, we're, we're able to get it by, and I don't know if they get it here, but I have mailed a couple to her there, so – Okay. Well, like I said, man, really appreciate you. Great ambassador for the sport. Look forward to to seeing where you can take this new company. And if it's even half as good as, as your bull riding career, you're going to have a bunch of success at it. So you're a driven guy. We appreciate you. And I always looked up to you throughout the years. So it's a pleasure talking to you today. All right. Good talking to y'all too. Ah, Thanks, this Sean. has been our interview with Sean Woodham. Yeah, buddy. Rolling like a big shot. Chevy tuned up like a NASCAR pit stop. Fresh paint job. Fresh inside. Is the outside frame in the trunk wide. Or the 